right? So let's pick it up, verse 14. And we'll get as much as we can from this. But Peter, standing. I'm slow. I read slow. I love that word. He's standing. He's standing up. Histamine. It's to make firm, establish, immovable. You stand up. You're not sheepish. Remember who this is. Peter, who denied Christ. He cowarded at a little girl, a servant girl. Hey, aren't you the... And then the other boys, they scattered not too long ago, right? What are they doing now? They're standing. They're standing up. There's this boldness that's overcoming them. And I love it. He's not standing alone. He's standing with the 11. And he lifts up his voice and he addresses them. Why I need to just point these things out is because this is the power of the Holy Spirit. There was a time in Peter's life, he's a coward. He's a wimp. You don't want to suffer and persecute. That's why when Jesus talked about suffering, he's like, come on, Jesus. No, 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 no. Don't talk like that. No one's going to. No. And then Peter, and then Jesus rebukes him. What happened to this man? The Holy Spirit came upon him in power. He's filled with the Spirit right now. And I wonder if there's going to be a moment, maybe it already came, where you are going to be called to stand. I'm going to be called to stand and contend for this faith in the midst of a mocking crowd. They're just drunk. They're crazy. That's bogus. You believe that stuff? They're so narrow-minded one way. Come on. God's not really going to judge. Come on. God doesn't really hate. He's not that kind of God. And they're going to say all sorts of things. Will we stand? The time we live in, we need men and women, young and old, filled with the Spirit, that are going to stand. I'm trembling at this because I'm asking God for help. Because if you're honest with yourself, I mean, even, come on, be, be, be just be honest before the Lord. Have you cowarded this week? Have you had the opportunity with your family, your coworker, your circle of friends? You heard, you knew mocking towards your God who saved your soul was happening. And the spirit maybe was, or maybe he wasn't, you weren't filled and you cowarded. In this moment, they're standing. But we will need to see this. It's, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. Philippians 1, 27, 28. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel so that whether I come to you and see you or I'm absent, I may hear this about you, that you are standing firm. One spirit. One mind. Check it. Side by side. Sound like Peter and the boys are now standing firm with the leaven for the faith of the gospel, not frightened by any opponent. May God so fill us with the Holy Spirit that we too, when our time comes to stand, we stand. You say amen to that prayer, please. We need the Holy Spirit to speak up, testify. Let's keep reading. So he stands up, he lifts his voice. And he addresses them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you. I love that. Let this be known. Note this. Know this. Mark my words. That's what he's saying. And then he says it. Emphasize more. Give ear to my words. That's receive this. Hear this. Get this. Understand. He's saying, listen to me. That's what he's saying. 
Please listen to me. Let this be known. These people aren't drunk. These boys, they're not buzzing. As you suppose. <laughs> I like that. You know, Ephesians 5, 18 says, Be filled with the Spirit, not with wine. I pray that in your heart you crave such a, such a filling. This ain't no little beer buzz. That's lame stuff. When you start tapping into Christ, little stuff like that seems like lame. You think that's life, young man, young woman? And he's saying, these guys aren't drunk as you suppose. They're filled with the Spirit of God. He says this, they're not drunk. It's only the third day or third hour, third hour of the day. That's about 9 a.m. Verse 16. Now, this is important. This is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Let me read to you from Peter's letter. He writes this in 2 Peter 1.21. What Peter's about to do right now is he's about to open up scripture. He's quoting prophets, the prophet Joel. Look at what he writes in his letter. 2 Peter 1.21. You can note it. I'll read it. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So what do we see here? The Holy Spirit inspired the scriptures, the Old Testament, the prophets, and the psalmist. And it's crazy. He's quoting the prophets. He's spitting the Old Testament. Peter views scripture as the word of God. That's got to be clear. you got to understand this about the early church. Scripture was the word of God. That's why they preached it. Any young man in this room called to preach? You preach the word, that's it. There's nothing else to preach. And he's saying, hear this. Hear this. He's giving them reason from the word right now. Now understand this though. It's crazy because Peter didn't always see this. The boys didn't always get that. Let me bring you back. Luke 24. Remember this? Road to Emmaus. Disciples talking to Jesus. They didn't even know. Let me just read you some snippets from it. We're talking about the word, the Old Testament, the prophets, the Psalms, all inspired by God. All of it. All of it. Verse 27, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Did you hear that? Joel. He's about to spit Joel. It's about Jesus. He's going to bring up the Psalms. It's about Jesus. Genesis. It's about, guess what? Who? Yes, participate. Exodus is about. Leviticus is about. Numbers is about. Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles is about Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, all of it, it's about. Are you ready for the Old Testament? Are you excited to read the Old Testament? I hope. Because it's, it changes things when you realize all the scriptures are about him. It's all about him. Verse 44 in, in Luke 24, he said, These are the words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Verse 45, this is huge. Then he opened their mind. 
to understand it. There's just a moment right now where some of us, it's like, this is like just, you don't get it. And then there will come a moment when you're opening this book and you start to really see from the top down that it all points to Christ. And it's just like, boom. I was talking to Mike the other day and he was just like, this one thing just kind of clicked for him. And he's like, whoa, was I reading the Bible wrong the whole time? And it just, boom, it made sense. I love that the entire Bible points to Jesus. That's why for some of us religious folk, you ever wonder you read scripture sometimes or you have your daily devos and just something's just, it just, you still feel, you still leave heavy. You still leave discouraged or like it's just something's wrong. Because it's very possible to study the scriptures and miss Jesus. Very possible. John 5, 39 to 40 says, he says to the Pharisees, you search scripture because you think that in them you have life, eternal life. He says, no, it's they that bear witness about me. You refuse to come to me. He's about to teach them Joel. He's going to talk about Joel. But his goal is to get them from Joel to Jesus. Because if they don't get from Joel to Jesus, they don't live. That's why when you and I spend time in the word, if you're looking for little assignments and insights and things like that, but you don't go to Jesus, you're missing it. The Holy Spirit has inspired the scriptures and he's illuminating it. He illuminated it for Peter. And by God's grace, may he illuminate it for us tonight. Let's get back to the sermon that Peter's preaching. So he says, okay, this is what was written in the, by the prophet Joel. In the last days it shall be. Remember, he's answering verse 12. God declares, I will pour out my spirit on how much flesh? Half flesh? Three-quarter flesh? All flesh. Everybody. Now look at this. Your sons, your daughters shall prophesy. Young men shall see visions. Old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. Here's another work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit anoints all sorts of people. All sorts of people. And he unites all sorts of people. And he sends all sorts of people. All sorts. When it says all flesh, you do the word study, it means like literally all flesh. Like there's no, this is breaking barrier. It breaks cultural barrier. It breaks demographic barrier. It, it breaks everything. Geographical barrier. Rich, poor, doctor, surfer, janitor, whatever, middle schooler, college student. It doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit will pour himself out on all sorts of people. And I love that. Why? Because all sorts of people need the gospel. Everyone is a sinner. Everyone is a sinner. Romans 3, all have sinned. All have sinned. This gospel is for all sorts of people. You know how diverse this 120, you know how diverse the 11 was? All sorts of people. You know how diverse your pastoral team is at this church? Bob, Johnny, and me? It's, we're so diverse. We're not the same. We come up different upbringings. We look different, talk different, sound different. Look at you right now. <laughs> All sorts of people. This is something to marvel at. 
See, the boys in town, they're, they're trying to, what, making sense of what's happening? They're speaking my language? It's, a, it's crazy right now. And Peter's saying, this is what the prophet had said would happen. The work of God will pour out his spirit on all flesh. I love how God, how this gospel can take all sorts of people and make them one. Remember, this is one faith, one spirit. Ephesians 4, 4 to 6 says, There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all in all. If anyone in the day knew who these boys were, the apostles, the 11, and they got actually a a roster of them and they knew these guys, they'd be like, what the? How are they all cruising together? (laughs) That's why if anyone comes into church and they look at us and they know us, they'd be like, how are you all hanging together? How do you like this person? What connection do you have? We're all sinners. And we all suck. And we're all screwed up and we all can't save ourselves. But we all have been saved by grace through faith in Christ. This is the church. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. All sorts of people. You know what I love about this? Before we move on, I've been praying this over us and over you. I've been praying for God to anoint you specifically. You know why? Because we're not the same. And you know people that I'll never know. You might talk to people I'll never get a chance to talk to. I'm not going to socialize with doctors. I'm not going to know doctors. Megan will know doctors, not me. <laughs> oh, maybe I will. I know one now. <laughs> Unless they're at church. But she's going to be able to engage people i'll never be able to engage and i will be able to engage people she'll never be able to engage too and that's just the beauty of this whole thing because all sorts of people need the lord so that's why i love that sovereign brought this up because even her even you children you will know kids play with kids in your neighborhood that i will not know i might never get to have playtime or go over to this person's house that you will And guess what? Those same children, those same mommies, those same daddies, those same uncles, aunties, brothers, sisters, co-workers, all of them need the Lord. They all need to hear this. And if you're a Christian tonight, you are part of this all sorts of people. And the Spirit of God is there for you to be so anointed and so filled and sent. So I'm praying this hardcore for our church. And I love the diversity in our, in our family here in Uwanu. Gospel is amazing, man. Great diversity, but great unity. Holy Spirit's anointing all sorts of people. Let's keep going, see what else he's doing. Verse 19 says this, I will show wonders in the heavens and signs on the earth below, blood and fire, vapor and smoke, and the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes. Great and magnificent day. We're seeing God show a lot of action, a lot of supernatural, cataclysmic, phenomena kind stuff. Signs and wonders, miracles. God does this, and he's doing it in that day. He's done it in the Old Testament in order to validate the messengers and this message. Why? I'll, re- I'll give you some scripture. 2 Corinthians 12.12 12 says this, the signs, of, the signs 
of a true apostle are performed among you with utmost patience, with signs and wonders and mighty works. These signs and wonders are, were approving, validating these apostles. Hebrews 2, 3 to 4. How shall we escape if we neglect such great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles by the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. The signs and wonders affirming the messengers and this message. Mark 16, 20. They went out and they preached everywhere while the Lord was with them and confirmed their message by accompanying it with signs. So they remained for a long time speaking boldly for the Lord. They bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. All of this that he's saying, the prophet Joel said is going to happen. They're, they're in Jerusalem right now. They're seeing signs and wonders, tongues, supernatural things. But the point of it all is to validate the message and the messengers. The point is hear the gospel. Miracles were not meant for oohs and ahs. Miracles were meant for people to listen up. That's why the next verse makes so much sense. It says, it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's the point of all the supernatural. It's supposed to point them towards a place of realizing, listen up, hear the message. You're a sinner. You need saving. The prophet Joel, the spirit of God, through the preaching of Peter right now, is trying to help the crowds come to an understanding of their condition. Mankind is in a fix. Everyone's going to die. Judgment is coming. You don't think this God's real? Look at the signs. I mean, sh shoot, really, think about it. Look at our life now. Look at, look at now. Look at around the world. What's going on? Listen up. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Why would he say that? Unless he's trying to communicate clearly, you need a savior. I have a question. Do you know the Lord? Like, do you know the Lord? What's his name? Three times in the next portion of Peter's sermon, he's going to say, this Jesus. This Jesus. This Jesus. This Jesus. We're about to get to the heart of his sermon right now. He's trying to respond to their question. What, what's all this mean? Well, remember when Joel said this? Okay. Now let me tell you who the Lord is. Because all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We're about to get into this. He is going to spit it. He's going to define Jesus. Because I have a thought. You may have heard the name. You may know the name Jesus. But is it this Jesus? This Jesus that he's talking about. Because what if, what if, for those of us who grew up in church, what if? You have been praying to the wrong Jesus. What if you have been worshiping an imaginary Jesus that you made up? You don't think that's not possible? It's very possible to be super zealous and passionate and sincere about something and then be sincerely wrong. 
Paul writes in Romans 10, they had zeal for God, but it wasn't based on knowledge. Not knowledge of true righteousness, righteousness that comes through Christ. That's why Paul says in Corinthians, examine yourself, examine yourself to see if Christ really is in you. This Jesus. We need to pay attention right now. We need to listen up because Peter is going to clearly define who this Jesus is. This is going to be the gospel, very explicit. He says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, do you know the name of the Lord? Who do you call on? I hope it's this Jesus, because only this Jesus saves. Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no one else, no other name under heaven, among men which shall be saved. This Jesus, here we go, verse 22. He says, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man. Pause. This Jesus was fully man. That's huge. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, the Word became flesh. This is the incarnation. This is Christmas. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Philippians 2, 6 through 8. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. He found him in human form. He humbled himself. Jesus was fully man. Men of Israel, hear these words. Attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus, this is the first, this Jesus, this Jesus delivered up according to, now this is big right here, the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Jesus was not only fully man and fully God. Jesus is the sovereign plan. Look at these words, definite, horizo, plan. I like this one, bule. <laughs> How's that one, local people? I even had to hit my logos like, for the, the, the computer to say it. Like, I was like, no way, this is bule. Bule. I was like, oh, that's so cool. Anyway, Harizo bule, definite plan, determined, appointed, council purpose plan. It was a plan. God didn't accidentally knock his son out of heaven and then be like, oh, bro, hey, while you down there, can you fix stuff up or what? Um, yeah, save the world. It wasn't like at the fall, all everything, oh, my gosh, Oh, how are we going to fix this? No. It was, a, it was a definite plan, foreknown. Genesis 3, you go back to the fall, he already had the plan fixed. He said, Eve, your, your offspring is going to crush the head of the serpent. That's so incredible for you to know about our God. We need to know this about our God. He's sovereign. There's a sovereign plan. It was purposed, foreknowledge, prognosis. It's forethought, prearranged, predetermined, predestined. The gospel was a plan from the beginning. None of this is accidental. That's why, you know, at the cross, when Jesus is being crucified and Pilate goes over to him, he's like, all right, I, I have the authority to let you out. Or, and Jesus, you have no authority over me. I'm in charge here. Jesus knew what he was doing when he went to the cross. He knew what he was doing when he was getting lashed and whipped and beaten and pinned and spat on. It was all part of the plan. 
He did it. This Jesus, fully God, fully man, this Jesus is the sovereign plan. I'm going to read you a text from Ephesians, and you listen for any uh, definite plan, foreknowledge type language, okay? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 to 10, it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That sounds pretty foreknowledge, definite plan. Before the foundation of the world, God chose you. That's, that breaks my mind. <laughs> that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us. For adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace in which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose. He set forth in Christ as a plan. For the fullness of time to unite all things in him. Remember? The spirit of God, all sorts of people being united under Christ. Jesus is fully man, he's fully God, and he's the sovereign plan. This Jesus. That's the Jesus. This Jesus. What Jesus do you call upon? Let's keep, let's go back. There's more about him. So this Jesus who is fully man and fully God and the sovereign plan, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. This Jesus was crucified. He was tortured brutally. Amounts of pain that we cannot fathom. And he did, in fact, die. This Jesus was crucified and this Jesus did die. This Jesus was buried at the hands of lawless men. 1 Corinthians 15.3, I delivered to you of first importance what I also received. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Romans 6.3, this is the baptism symbolism right here. Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Buried therefore with him by baptism into death. This Jesus did die. It doesn't end there. 24. And God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death. I love that that verse caused Calais to stumble. Because when you're really reading it, God raised him up, loosed the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. This Jesus died, but this Jesus was risen, and death could not hold him. That's the Jesus I call upon. Who do you call upon? Who do you call upon this evening? All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, but is this Jesus your Lord? The promised Messiah, the fully man, fully God, living the perfect life, 
and then brutally being crucified and buried and then breaking forth because death couldn't hold him. That Jesus. The Jesus that swallowed up death at his resurrection. Man, I'll call upon the name of the Lord. Do you not realize that's who we sing to? This is who we're studying about. First Corinthians 15, 54 to 58, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where's your, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast. Stand up. Be firm in that. Immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor ain't in vain. This Jesus. Is that your Jesus? There's a lot of Jesuses out there right now. Maybe you've been calling upon the cool Jesus. One that just accepts you for you. The hip Jesus. The nice Jesus. The genie Jesus who gives you everything your heart so desires. And you wonder why you're so frustrated when you pray. It's crazy to think. Can you imagine you've been praying to the wrong Jesus? Not the historic biblical Jesus of the Bible. You know, when I first started reading through the book of Acts on my own personal time, I was about 17 years old, I think. And I remember sitting with my Bible just out in a park. And I just was like, is this real? Is this real? And then I remember saying, are you real? Are you real? Do you really love me? Did you really do this for me? Is your death on the cross really atone all the mess I am? If this is who you are, I want you. I want, I want to experience the real Jesus. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And, and what, what, what fear that fills my heart is to think that some of us in this place, you have been calling upon the name of the wrong Jesus. I asked Gabe if I could talk about him a little bit. I was talking to him this past Sunday, Gabriel over here. Uh, do you know Gabriel? This Gabriel? No, no. Um, but, and, and it was crazy. He, he, he came into my office and he was just like, can we just talk? Can we just talk? And I was like, all right. And he was just like, I don't know even what to say. I just feel... I feel overwhelmed. I feel frustrated. I feel da da da. And I just, I just, I just, I didn't know what to say either. I was like, "Whoa, that's heavy, dude." You know. But I just said, "Okay, Gabe, what do you believe? Just tell me your faith. Like, who do you trust?" And it was just one of those like, "Oh." And you know, he started to just, you know, I believe in God the Father. I, I believe He loves me. I believe, you know, all good things He's saying. You know, that's true. Okay. And and oh, tell me more. Like, t- tell me more. We sat in my office and we just read scripture, a lot of Romans, yeah, Gabe? But we just read, read, read until Jesus became more and more defined. Like, okay, why is he the only one that can save me? Oh, he's perfect. Oh, he is, oh, oh, he is God and he is man. Oh, oh, he, oh, so he is the only one that can rescue me from this wretched man that I am. And he's, he's just reading. I'm not really doing it. I'm just, read this verse, read this verse, read this verse. The more Jesus got defined for him, 
that's who I believe in. Do you? And there was this sense of like faith that filled him. And towards the end of our time, there was this frustration that kind of just, guys, you need to define your faith. Know who it is you follow. Who is the Lord? Who do you call upon? If you keep it general and fuzzy, like many of us do, you have a frustrating life of faith because you don't know who you believe. But you know the name, oh, Jesus. But is it this Jesus? That's the question. And I love seeing Gabe get so filled with passion and growing in his desire for God because he's starting to realize this guy is, this God is amazing. This is an awesome God. And I can't make sense of how I feel, but the more I read and define, it's just like, whoa. It's like the lights are being turned on. Let's get back to Peter's sermon. So he used Joel, and then he's preaching to them who Jesus is, this Jesus. Verse 25, he says, okay, David says concerning him. See, he's bringing it all together. He's like, I'm going to use Joel, now I'm going to use the Psalms. That's how you want to read your Bible, young man, young woman. I saw the Lord always before me, for he, sit, he is at my right hand, and I'm, that I may not be shaken. Verse 26, therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced, my flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. We'll come back to those things. Let me read the whole thing. You have made known to me the path of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us today. That's noteworthy, okay? I'll come back to that. David died. He's Make. And if you were to go scoop up his bones, still, still, it's still there. Verse 30, being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would not set one of his descendants to the throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. Here we go again. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we all are witnesses. Being there, um, We all are witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and receiving fr received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this, that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into heaven, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, Silas pointed this out, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. David's remains are still in the tomb. This Jesus, empty tomb. That's what the point Peter's trying to make. Peter's using the Psalms to say, no, even David foresaw, uh, maybe didn't realize this, but prophetically speaking, the Holy Spirit spoke through him. This Jesus is alive. There's an empty tomb. Define your Jesus, guys. Who do you call upon? Are you connected? The word of the Lord. No, 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 no. <laughs> But what Jesus do you call upon? And he's saying here through the psalmist, this Jesus, empty tomb. He's alive. Gosh, that must have been such a moment that day when he was speaking it. Preaching Christ for Peter, man. I was thinking the last time Peter confessed Christ, <laughs> didn't turn out so well after he got called Satan. And now he's just like spitting it, man.
Verse 36, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain. Peter does, wants to be very clear about his preaching right now. Know this. I brought up Joel. I brought up the Psalms. But this is what I'm trying to tell you. God has made him both Lord and Christ. And this Jesus, you crucified. Boom. This Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the one. He is the only one. He's the Lord. And you crucified him. Do you realize who you sinned against? It's not a big deal for people to realize they're a sinner. Like, I mean, I talk to a lot of people, and I guess they're humble enough to say, yeah, you know, I made some mistakes in this life. Some people maybe have a hard time realizing that, but for the most part, it's not, it's not hard to realize that you made mistakes or that you're a sinner. What's hard to realize is who you sinned against. That's what he's getting at in his sermon. You crucified him. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, Isaiah 53. We've all turned to our own way. We all, by nature, are children of wrath like the rest of mankind. All of us sin, Romans 3. No one is righteous, not even one. But you have to realize this in your brokenness. Listen, you have to realize you sinned against this Jesus. I sinned against this Jesus. Who can stand this, the, 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 the sovereign Jesus who was there from the beginning? Almighty God, we have sinned against him. I'm a sinner, rebellious, under the wrath of God. That's what we need to realize. Some of you this evening, you have not a good hold on, on what sin is and what you're doing. Because some of us, you might still be playing with sin. You're doing stuff you know you shouldn't be doing. You're immersed in things. You go to places. You you. you you, you look at stuff or you buy stuff or you are immersed in sin. But you, what you fail to realize, what I fail to realize is who we're sinning against. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He did ascend, but he's coming back. Do you not fear him? The fear of the Lord is a very good thing. And we need to pray for it. Matthew 10, 20, 28 says this. Do not fear those who kill the body cannot kill your soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body. That is this Jesus. Hebrews 10, 30 to 31, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord, this Jesus, will judge. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It's not enough to just acknowledge you're a sinner. That's why I think a lot of us, we get ourselves off the hook. That's why I think a lot of us, we still love our sins so much. Because it's not godly sorrow. It's worldly sorrow. It's, oh, shucks, I made a mistake and I got caught. And you cry and cry. And, but we failed to realize, no, this was an offense to the God of the universe. The Lord Almighty, Jesus Christ, this Jesus 
For those of us in sin this evening, please listen, listen. This is serious. Some of us, we are, we're living in it right now. And you are storing up wrath for yourself against God. And when all this is done, when you breathe your last, or if you were to return, that's it. When you realize that you're not only a sinner, but who you sinned against, that's why verse, that's when verse 37 happens. Until then, verse 37 doesn't happen. What does verse 37 say? Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They weren't cut to the heart when he was talking to them about Joel and breaking down an exegesis nicely through Psalms. And wow, that was a good, oh, that's such a good Bible exegesis, Peter. Oh, he's on fire, cause. Yeah. No, they weren't cut to the heart then. They were cut to the heart when they realized they crucified him. The Holy Spirit does this. He convicts people of sin. If at any moment this evening there's been a prick in your heart because you know there are things and there are sins that you are still very much in love with and immersed in, but the Spirit of God is just pressing heavy right now in your heart, on your soul, let him. Don't resist him. It is good to have conviction. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. Praise God for conviction. Pray for more of it. I get fearful when I lose conviction. They heard this. They heard. Faith comes from hearing the word of Christ. That's why preaching is so important. God's word cut, it pierced. Psalm 51, you desire truth inward. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is alive, it's living, it's active, it's sharp. Then any double-edged sword, it pierces the division of the soul and spirit, joints marrow, discerns the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Cut to the heart, pricked, like Hannah was saying in her translation. It's a deep piercing wound that hurts. That's what the spirit is doing. Ah, you felt that one, huh? Amen. And I love this. What do they say after? After they were cut to the heart. What do we do? They didn't wait for an altar call. <laughs> they never wait for an invitation and the, the praise band to come up and... Mm, if anyone's in sin tonight, you just feel alone. You know, it, they didn't even need any of that. They just heard the sermon. It was probably like crickets. And then it just, it all got real. And then what do we do? Huh, I'm feeling, I, I, I've sinned against the Lord. What do I do? And maybe that's someone, that's some of us. Maybe that's all, I pray all of us tonight. God, what do we do? The work of the Holy Spirit is moving. There's conviction. They say, what do we do? Verse 38, Peter said to them, you repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads us to repentance. Repent, metanoia. You change, meta, nuas, noia, mind. You change your mind. 
You can't change your mind. Romans 12, renewed by, uh, be, let us be renewed. Oh my gosh, I just botched the verse, Lord. I'm sorry. Romans 12. Let's turn there. Acts, Romans. Romans 12, mm. verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You can't renew your mind without new information, a new word, the word of God. They just heard from Joel and Psalms, and that it has to do with Jesus and them. And Peter is saying, you were mocking before this. Remember that? Repent. Maybe that's where some of us are right now. You realized that you have been sinning against this Jesus. Repent and be baptized. I love that we had Bree's baptism this past week. an outward symbol of what happened inwardly already for Brie. In the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1 verse 5, right? You'll be baptized by the Holy Spirit. That's the regenerating baptism. All believers in the house ought to love this verse. It'll never get old preaching the gospel to myself that I'm forgiven. That'll never get old for me. All my sin was paid in full. I was talking to Bree up in the baptismal before we were getting ready to go in the water. And I was like, and she was telling me, you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say, I'm thankful to God for his faithfulness and I'm thankful to God for his patience. And I'm thankful to Jesus Christ for dying on the cross because I'm not going to, I'm not going to get the wrath of God when I die. And I said, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing to be able to say out loud and look in the mirror and say, God, God's not angry at me. God's not furious with Chris anymore. He's not wrathful towards Chris Morales. He's not. There's no condemnation on me. Why? Because this Jesus died and he rose from the grave and all who believe on him will never perish but have everlasting life. That's my Jesus. I call upon the name of the Lord. Can you say that this evening? Will you say that? What do I do? You repent of your sin and you call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 40, with many other words, he bore witness. <laughs> so we didn't even get the full sermon, but we got enough and continued to exhort them. And he said, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Believe the gospel. We didn't hear the full sermon, but we heard enough. Verse 14 to 21, we heard that God, the Holy Spirit, is at work. 22 to 23, man has sinned against Christ and is under God's wrath. Verse 24 to, 20 to 36, but Christ died for our sins and was raised. Verse 37 to 41, the response, repent and be baptized. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Call upon the name of the Lord this evening. I pray the Holy Spirit's at work. Let's finish this text, verse 40. So those who received his word were baptized. 
and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. The Holy Spirit builds the church, and we're going to see that next week, more in full. 247, it says, the Lord adds to the number day by day. Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, its labor is labor in vain. Matthew 16, verse 18, I tell you that Peter, upon this rock, your confession, I will build my church. Gates of Hades won't be, can't touch it. Death couldn't hold me. It's not going to hold them. I love that. So next week we have the missionaries. The week after we're going to get into the birth of this new church and we're going to see marks of a healthy church. But, but guys, as we close, I hope to have helped you see that this is all a work of God. If there's any authentic work going on in your heart and soul right now, if there's a prick, maybe not a prick, you are stabbed to the heart. What must you do? Repent. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe some of us, our hearts have grown dull. It's been a minute since we've been pricked and pierced. Return. His journey's not over. He's still building the church. He's still calling people. We're going to pray. And I do want to um, just say that I do believe God is at work. I do believe the Holy Spirit is here and he's alive. Your hunger for this book is so stimulating. It's so encouraging. I love the humility that God's stirring up in our church, not just the younger members, older members, everyone, all sorts of members. And we need to continue to ask the Holy Spirit to do this again and again. And so however the Holy Spirit has spoken to you specifically tonight for response and obedience, please don't put off. Don't resist him. Don't suppress truth. Respond. Respond. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive and cleanse you. The book of James says, confess your sins to one another and pray, find healing. Allow the word of God to take root. So let's pray together. And we'll continue. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for giving us the Bible, the whole thing, Old and New Testament, Genesis to Revelation. It's all about Jesus. Father, if there's souls right now that are crying out, and they're calling upon the name of the Lord right now in this place, in this room, give them faith, regenerate them, seal them, bless them, baptize us with the Holy Spirit. If brothers and sisters have realized that we are, we've been cowards or we've been sheepish or we don't stand, we don't preach, we don't confess, we don't share, we're not witnessing, then we pray for a filling of the Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Lord, that there are all sorts of people here present. And we pray that as we leave this evening, that this message, this gospel would continue to spread and advance Start with us, we pray. Thank you, God, for your word, living and active. Keep us abiding in it, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.